Once Upon a Time, Season 5, Episode 8 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and I am joined, as always, by the man who would never make fun of me if I dyed my hair. It's Kurt Clark. Kurt, how you doing? I'm doing well. This was a... so it was an interesting evening in, in Once Upon a Time world. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just to, to kind of refresh the, the memories of our listeners, or for those of you that are just tuning in, uh, so obviously the this episode and episode nine, The Bear King, aired together in a two-hour block on ABC. Uh, however, both to uh, give the listeners something extra to listen to during Thanksgiving and also to preserve our own sanity, we are going to release these in two separate installments. So for right now, we are only covering the first hour, the episode birth, which, uh, you know, I think last week I said, like, we'll still, like, talk about events that happened in the second episode, but uh, this, unlike past two-hour blocks, had really no correlation between each other. Yeah, it was like apples and light bulbs. I mean, there wasn't uh, really much uh, continuity between the two, a little bit, um, and I think that everybody will be fine if the uh, second half uh, is postponed a week uh, <laughs> and the pressing discussions around uh, the, the second half are maybe a post-Thanksgiving treat. Yeah, and for all we know, and we're, we're recording these on the same day, but it'll be released a week later, but for all we know, in the six days following this, uh, a big theory will be released on Reddit about why The Bear King is the most poignant episode of Once Upon a Time ever. But uh, for now, we will... We will put that uh, put that bear king away for now. We will put it back in its cave. And let's talk about Birth, which is a literal game changer for this season. As we, we finally, we haven't found out completely how, we haven't solved all the mysteries yet. We don't know how they got to Camelot, or not how they got to Storybrooke from Camelot, why the curse got cast, etc., etc. But we have answered a couple of questions, including ultimately, how and why did Emma become the Dark One? Yeah, and I think the... Uh the genie's out of the lamp, as it were, in terms of the the dream catchers. I think the you know, we, yeah, we, so Sydney's <laughs> been around for a while, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's uh, it, you know we we do see that 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 Hook's memories are kind of returned to him. That you know Zelina stumbles upon the dream catcher uh, hoarder uh, that Emma has become in her garage. So I would be surprised if everybody's memories just suddenly started returning as they kind of like free for all hand out the dream catchers. But there's bigger issues in uh, Storybrooke. Yeah, I mean, this, so, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get down to brass tacks right, too right. much as we, since we'll proceed chronologically, but I mean, I, I feel like we have to kind of approach the elephant in the room here. We find out at the very end, the big twist, uh, Captain Hook is one of the Dark Ones. And yes, there are multiple Dark Ones. It seems that Emma, in the past, tethered Hook's soul to the half, again, I'll put half in quotes, of Excalibur in order to uh, preserve his life. And uh, before we really dive into this episode, I would love, Kurt, just to hear your thoughts about this twist. And I mean, is it wrong for me to say this is the biggest twist we've had so far on the show? Uh, you know, I... I'm comfortable saying yes to that, like without like sitting down and thinking and, and considering it. My my initial knee jerk reaction is yes. I mean, I was very, uh, you know, proud of myself for figuring out the whole Nimue thing before she even even, even mentioned as a character on the show. Dad uh, didn't see this one coming. I think it was, no. I was like, I think I actually paused and was like, what? <laughs> no, no, but not like in terms of. Oh, did the writers really go there? I, I enjoyed the twist. I did not see it coming. I thought it was clever. Uh, and I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing what transpires from this. Yeah, I, I think I, I would call this definitely the biggest twist since we found out Peter Pan was Rumpelstiltskin's father back in season three. But yeah, I think it's in high contention for like the biggest mm-hmm. 
twist of them all because I think this is one of those things where it's like the twist almost at the end of at the, like the two thirds mark of the movie when you find out. Spoiler alert: that Tyler Durden and our unnamed narrator are the same person in Fight Club. Where like everything before it makes sense and at least we get an explanation as to why hook is so brooding and angry for the past seven episodes it's not just because he's pissed off about emma it's because he is fighting the dark one spirit that is uh living within him within him that he doesn't even know about yeah i mean and i i'm personally hard-pressed to go back and i i wouldn't have said that that hook is any more brooding than usual or if anything that he was from a negative perspective i would have just chalked up to you know he's upset that his you know his lady love is is the dark one uh but yeah i think the comparing it to the the, the pan twist i think you're right that's probably maybe the the biggest one but even that was something that involved a you know pan wasn't a you know beloved seasons long character i mean in fact you know, you know i beg to differ kurt beloved by me <laughs> but not seasons long that's uh, true you know, neverland was the was the uh was the setting that got me to quit once upon a time back when it originally aired <laughs> um but you know we loved pan as a character but again he wasn't around for several seasons wasn't a main character for you know years and years uh it's this is something that happened to somebody that we knew and i think it was a little bit of a uh you know, we've been watching Hook and we haven't suspected it. And and so it's, I don't know, it was, it was really well done. And it's, uh, I, you know, is this something that they're going to wrap up by the mid-season finale? That I don't know. Yeah. And I think this, you know, I, I, uh, there's been some talk amongst the community about like, well, will we like, there's a chance we might not have the dark one at all by the end of this mid-season finale. And that this whole mythology that's been existing throughout the show will be gone after four and a half seasons. But this puts a giant wrinkle on that plan. But before we really dive yeah, into that, let's start at the very beginning. Um, so we leave off, we kind of pick up from where we left off. I will say as much as I love the Camelot-based episodes like The Broken Kingdom and Nimue last week, I think the show suffers a little bit from the fact that I mean, we they're picking up the action from the heroes finding out that Arthur lied about the Crimson Crown. But that at this point was two weeks ago in real time. So it's kind of tough to like, I'm assuming it, it, it's better on a binge watch because it's tough to like pick back up in that action when you have to remember, oh yeah, they found out about that two weeks ago. Yeah. And also, okay, never mind the fact that they liked Arthur and Camelot, then they found out that he was a douche and then they forgot everything that happened in Camelot. And so, you know, there's times when we see them interacting positively with Arthur and Storybrooke, but then the flashbacks are in Camelot where they don't like him. And I had to constantly kind of keep track, even in from episode to episode in consecutive weeks, which, you know, where is the setting right now? Where in the timeline? And oh, yes, they forgot that he is kind of, you know, self-centered and not to be trusted. And yeah, they, 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 but we know that, but they don't. And, um, but yeah, this, so at least I think we're kind of caught up in both storylines. In both storylines, there's no love lost between Team Charming and <laughs> the... Uh, team arthur <laughs> yeah yes absolutely uh they, they have very they have very much remembered arthur's demeanor and one world is definitely out the window here and we see david tries to kind of ambush the camp with the other male heroes and they walk in on uh arthur and guinevere just kind of sitting there holding hands drinking wine and staring into each other's <laughs> eyes which i don't know i would always want to take pity on them in that moment because that seems like a horrifically boring activity to be doing with your wife Albeit she's hypnotized, but still pretty boring. Yeah, and, and, and he's hospitable. I mean, I, and you know, I, I, I'm thinking that not only do does Team Charming forget that Arthur's a douche, but all of the things that Arthur like you know became a real prick about, he also forgot in that old timeline because yeah. you know they forgot everything from the moment that Team Charming first walks into Camelot, and so he may not remember that uh, he doesn't like the 
I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange because yeah, because he that I it's and he brings this up later when he's eventually jailed somewhere that doesn't even look like the jail. Maybe it's because the lights were off. But yeah, he brings up that like, well, I didn't, I don't remember what happened either. But I think the douchey, the douchiness still lies inherently within him, and it becomes active here, especially when so David kind of demands him at gunpoint to tell to tell him about what's going on with Nimue since we also remember two weeks ago that the last thing Merlin told them was go find Nimue in the voicemail and uh, Arthur decides in true medieval fashion to run away yeah, that was like reminiscent of a I think one of the housewife shows or flip the table um and yeah, I think uh, it was like it wasn't the round table it was like this flimsy card table that you might have like a fourth of July picnic yeah. on it, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Princess Bride as well when uh Inigo finally encounters the the six-fingered man and he's just like he just runs the other way instead yeah. of facing him down <laughs> and, and you know Again, I do think that Arthur is actually one of the more clever, you know, villains or cads or what you want, however you want to refer to him. He just like he doesn't try to get past David and go to the front door. He just cuts himself a door on the back with a sword, which is, you know what? I might not have been thinking that quickly myself, but yeah, it's just a tent. Cut yourself a back door and leave. <laughs> yep. So uh, they try to pursue Arthur into the woods. Hook's able to catch up to him and he unfortunately gets thrown to his feet. And I actually love uh, this little exchange here where Arthur points his sword in his face. He's like, see, you brought a hook to a sword fight. And Hook just muses like, well, it actually did bring a sword, but it it's over seemed here. to have been misplaced it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Deus Ex Emma, uh, she, yep. her Emma, Emma Ex Machina, uh, you know, Emma the Dark One appears. De- Deus Ex Swanina. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Swanina. Um, that's going to be a tough hashtag to spell. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, she saves him. And I'm actually very, you know, she's holding Arthur at sword point against the tree. I was wondering if, you know, this is going to be you know, ABC after dark. Was she going to like slice up Arthur like that? She very well could have done that. I wonder if she was going to lose her cool and, and, and take out uh, the King. Yeah, it's interesting. And we'll bring up this point later with like Emma's grand plan was apparently to put all this dark magic in Zelina and then kill her. I wonder if she would have gained more favor if she did that to Arthur. Cause at that point she could say like, look guys, Arthur's a bad person. He's a douche. Zelina might have like some redeeming qualities and she may be, you know, fostering Robin's child here. But like, you don't know this guy. It's total. It's a lot cooler if I just off him right now rather than kill the person that we all know. Yeah. Maybe there's some technicality where like to use this spell, she could only actually use it for for somebody who is already able to wield magic. Um, That's the story I'm sticking to. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, Zelina already being a magic wielder, it was just easier, more convenient or something. But uh and maybe some of it's also the evil you know is is you know better than the evil you don't. And yes, that old phrase. That old phrase. <laughs> Just uh, add a D onto it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there, and kind of what I did. Um, yeah, is the thing, in fact that yeah, at least you know Zelina. You don't necessarily know everything that Arthur is capable of, and he's a little bit. Uh, well, I guess they're both delusional. Um, <gasps> but uh, yeah, and you know, Hook's very effusive with you know, thanks for Emma and the kind of backtracks a little bit on the whole, I don't love you thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, I mean, we also had to remember that the last time these two of them saw the two of the two of them saw each other was when they were aboard the Jolly Roger and they had this conversation and hook kind of breaks her by saying like, well, I, I used to love you before, you know, she, they, she disappears. And so, uh, yeah, that, considering that that's a, the place where they left their relationship beforehand, they understandably are kind of 
awkward trying to reconcile here. And here's where we really get the breadcrumbs leading into this uh, candy house of the big twist at the end of the episode where, you know, Hook, this entire episode is going to be demanding to know why Emma decided to become the dark one. And Emma starts hinting to it a little bit here by saying, well, we, I did it all for you before disappearing. Yeah. And it, a couple a couple things. Um, actually, I have here I have here in my notes. Uh, so is this is there something we haven't seen where Hook dies in Camelot and Emma saves him? But becomes the dark one by doing so. So I was kind of partway there. You were you were close. I was, yeah. I was, I was close, but I yeah, de- definitely didn't see that she saves him by turning him into the dark one. Um, the the other thing is like between David talking to Arthur in the tent and Hook talking to uh, to Emma in the forest, they give a lot away about what Merlin told them in their voicemail uh, about Nimue can destroy the Dark One. Who is that? I thought that, you know, the, the very fact that you can't trust Arthur, the very fact that, you know, Emma is kind of the Dark One, I thought that they were giving up a lot of informational leverage by revealing that information to both Arthur and Emma. I was surprised they didn't play that a little bit closer to the vest. Yeah, though, let's remember that as great as our heroes are, they have not had the best uh, sense of judgment here remember these are the people that let Zelina lead them into camelot a couple weeks ago true that's true so speaking of camelot let's go to our first flashback scene here where emma we just finished the nimue stuff emma is bragging about the spark of prometheus to henry and grannies where granny signing here because i guess they needed a another well, character for the day this well keep it this is the first in a long line of character returns that we will be discussing tonight <laughs> yes this is definitely a switchback sunday i guess i'll call it because man we are it's like season two all over again kurt <laughs> exactly uh so they they realize though they sort of they sort of commiserate and realize like, wait a minute, everyone else that we were with is gone. And suddenly Merlin decides to freeze everyone and basically has an offer that Emma really can't refuse. Uh, we find out that our heroes were apparated not into the uh, the, the weapon room, but instead <laughs> they were tied. They're tied to trees. And basically Merlin says, Arthur's in control of me. Here's the offer. Give him the spark and the dagger or I kill her, your entire family and Regina. Yeah. And Robin. <laughs> and, and and I think not just the spark, but, you know, it, it, I think there was like a little bit that we missed when I think in our discussion last week where if she has the spark, but she has to turn it into a flame for it to melt for it to mend the sword. And I think that's kind of like the, you know, if Arthur and, you know, needs Emma for anything at this point, it's that to make, kind of enact that transformation of turning the spark into the flame. And so it's, it's a little bit of like, when you're ready to light the, light the spark, it will burn. And we, that we want the dagger and the flame, not just the spark. Um, so there's, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of still kind of a, a step in there that Emma has to do. And she's, she's trying, but she's not able to. And we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Though I think there's a really interesting tidbit here at the end of this scene where Merlin, again, based off of the Nimue story that we heard last week, tells her like, you know, I urge you not to seek vengeance. Uh, and this is probably a glimmer of a thing that like, we're starting to see that Merlin might be able to break the control that Arthur has over him, considering that he's like able to say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do like to tie again back to Nimue that he's, he's basically, he's telling Emma like, listen, just do this. Don't try to get vengeance against the guy that's that's trying to murder your family. And you realize that Emma is g- exact going to do exactly that. Well, I like the kind of the build on that also, where he says uh, uh, that do not resist this, and you know acceptance at times is a form of strength. Uh, and I thought that it, that was kind of a nice layer on to the whole do not seek vengeance thing is that like sometimes the hard thing to do is to accept. And, and, and because it's hard, it is a form of strength. There, there was some, I thought that was a kind of an interesting take on uh, uh, kind of doing the right thing. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So back to present day, as we talked about before, Arthur's in jail. He doesn't, he also doesn't remember uh, what all the Nimue stuff. So he, you know, he, he's basically of no help. And Hook is very cantankerous about this. And basically in the sheriff's station, Regina's trying to allude to him, trying to tiptoe around the fact that like, hey, maybe Emma's manipulating you because she knows that you love her but hook is set dead set on figuring out what these uh what these missing memories are for what they're where they're from and what they are yeah it's kind of like a battle of uh approaches here like hook really wants to believe emma's story that he's doing this because of hook and uh like so we know we need to figure out what happened between her and me and camelot whereas team charming by which i mean regina and mary margaret and to some extent david are like well you know what they almost like that she's accepted. They're almost accepting that Emma's full dark one at this point yeah. and going to destroy all light magic. And then there's a little leap in logic here, but again, it's magical rules. So maybe it isn't a leap, but you know, Regina says, oh, obviously uh, to do this, she would, if she was able to destroy it, destroy all light magic, she would have done so already. So she must need some other ingredient. We need to figure out what that ingredient is first and stop her from getting it or find it before she does. Which turns out not to be the case. No. Uh, more, no, no, no missing <laughs> yeah. ingredient as much as somebody moves through a life stage prematurely. And that's the one thing that she needed. There, there is another element that she does need, but it's, uh, it is a, uh, they kind of, they guess that right, but they miss it. They completely miss what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. So Hook's first stop here is the pawn shop where he goes to see the former crocodile. Uh, first, it looks I. So did he did he go in there with the purpose to get squid ink and then to but to find out that it's gone? Or do, do you think he went just to talk to gold about the dark one stuff? I got the I got the impression that he went to talk to gold about the dark one stuff. I don't just, I don't know if he necessarily knew there was squid ink in there. Yeah, and Squid Ink, again, and maybe it's only because it's been mentioned only a few times in Once Upon a Time canon, but Squid Ink is never, like, my go-to in terms of, like, finding something to freeze somebody. Considering that we also saw Merlin be able to freeze Granny and Henry, like, ten minutes ago using his magic purely. Yeah. Um, It's, and we've seen it in prison dark ones Hmm. before, but I don't know how much of that is, uh, you know, you think you think if that that was the go to thing, then they would have gotten looked for that earlier. But I think Hook was there trying to get advice from Gold. Yeah, and I really like this scene as well because kind of like what we were talking about in terms of Merlin drawing the parallels between Nimue and Emma here. Now we get a direct tie between Emma and Gold. It's almost like you know Hook going to like uh, a former alcoholic asking how to get his girlfriend uh, to stop drinking. Where you know Gold and Gold is very deep here. He alludes to the fact that like when I when I looked at her, I saw that you know it seems like she's guilty about something. I when I became the Dark One, I was extremely guilty and I had to atone. And so he sends Hook on a new mission, basically find whatever Emma's atoning for by any means possible. Yeah, and if you're having trouble finding Emma give her a reason to find you <laughs> and then that by that you mean <laughs> shout her name in the streets apparently <laughs> well not from the from the rooftops and and then when that doesn't work jump <laughs> yeah lots of lots of yelling this episode between you know merlin and of course hook just bellowing emma's name throughout the town yeah uh so going back to the flashback here uh emma is again looking over the spark it seems she's very torn about what to do we have the return of dark clippy i think for the first time since emma kind of you know, since she her heart was thrown for a loop when she galloped on the horse for the first time. Um, and, you know, Dark Clippy basically outlines her own internal motivations here, functioning as her sort of, uh, I wouldn't say conscience, maybe lack thereof, by telling her, well, you're not willing to give up the darkness because you can't light the spark right now. Uh, and But Henry is sort of 
makes everything dis- uh, makes the the apparition disappear because he has his own news to break. <laughs> You've got a new house. Get ready for yeah, your second mortgage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm, I like maybe Emma wasn't freaking out about the future as much as she was freaking out about like the possible bills that she's going to have to pay for the next 30 years to pay off that house. Yeah, there's the housing. The housing bubble in Storybrooke is a literal bubble around the town and you I can't who, get out of it. I wonder who I wonder who a realist who the real estate person would be in Storybrooke. Uh, probably uh, whoever sold the uh, little woman who lived in a shoe her house. Yes. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's the story. Like the little woman who lived in a shoe, she actually got put to Storybrooke and she's like tired of that kind of housing. Yeah. Uh, because we know that Peter, Peter pumpkin eater, you know, they lived in a pumpkin shell, but he has a different, uh, different job. So I'm guessing the little woman who lived in a shoe. Yeah, I I would say so. Uh, and I mean, maybe those, that's like totally season one stuff. I remember when they used to do like, oh, completely ironic uh, jobs now, you know, like, uh, you know, Archie was the was Jiminy Cricket and now he's the psychiatrist. But I think they now they just kind of did away with all that. Or the three little pigs. We haven't seen the, them. That's true. They could they could be outside their own uh, real estate office. Maybe the uh, the creep from Wayward Pines is there one of the three little pigs. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> Let's not go there. We I'm, I'm, way to- I'm rocking in my seat gently, having flashbacks <laughs> to Wayward Pines. Yeah, right. PTSD, PTWPD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Henry reveals the plan, quote unquote, Operation Light Swan, which is uh, I don't know how that falls in the animal pecking order, but I guess the swan eats the mongoose, eats the snake. I don't know if the swan eats the mongoose. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't know if that's really how the food chain works. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, just, just maybe, just another animal. <laughs> um, but the plan basically was that Henry and Hook in who knows what amount of time because these people never seem like they have an, an, any amount of downtime in this show. But they were planning on finding a house for Emma. Uh, for them all to move in together full house style when they come back to Storybrooke. And I mean, did you, imme- did you immediately pick up on the fact that that was the house that Emma had uh, shacked up in with the Excalibur below? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, it's from the, the glimpse I saw. And I was like, Oh, that's the house she's in now. Um, but definitely does not look like the full house house from, uh, from San Francisco. It's got, it's got those like little, like, uh, like everywhere. second floor, like juts out of it. Yeah, everywhere you look. There, everywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah. you look, there's a witch, there's yeah. a witch. Need to hold on to magic. Uh, so Emma decides, you know, I'm going to use my dark powers one last time. Maybe she was spurred by yeah. Maybe, by the future. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was interesting that, that, you know, she's sitting there trying, like, she wants to save her family. She's sitting there trying to turn the spark into a flame. And, you know, you know, dark clippy rumple is basically saying, you know, Merlin told you, you'd be ready to light it when you're ready to let go of the darkness. And the fact that you can't light it means you're not ready to let go of the darkness. And, and sure enough, she's like, you know what? I'm not ready to give it up. I need to use it one last time. So poof, let's head to uh, the, uh, it's like they're protesting some sort of, you know, lumber. Uh, yeah. Project. Tree huggers. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, unintentional tree huggers. Yeah. I feel like and Emma again, going back to this whole addiction example is like totally the person that's like, no, I just need like one more drink. You know, this is my last drink. I promise. Cause you could tell as soon as she said that, I'm like, well, this is going to be the inciting incident, isn't it? Yeah, and before we in, in, a, in a manner of speaking, true. And before we flash forward to Storybrooke, we see that you know Arthur's about to sick Merlin on her, on, on Emma and Zelina. More of Zelina getting into it with the Dark One, just re- itching for a fight. <laughs> I'm surprised we had scenery at the end of these two hours because Zelina was devouring it. Man, she was she, Rebecca Mayer was just being the most devilish, sly, sarcastic person I think we've seen in quite some time. And I was fully expecting like. The dark one, dark, dark swan to just completely, I guess technically she's not the dark one yet, uh, but I was just completely expecting her to just unload on Zelina. But the fact that we know that Zelina is alive and well in modern day storybook means that she doesn't get, you know, taken out. But wow. 
Yeah. Speaking of which, let's let's see some Zelina here. She is back in her holding cell reading Hansel and Gretel, and suddenly she starts going into pain. Yeah, baby wants out now. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> apparently I know and I think uh and I guess we we start to I think we get we finally get a sense of the timeline here, Kirk, because Robin, after her and Regina come in to see Zelina like surprisingly like jack style uh nine months pregnant jack i'm from the robin williams film not the <laughs> lost character or the fairy tale character i was like i don't remember that fairy tale <laughs> you never read jack and the beanstalk the version where jack got pregnant oh it's one of those metaphor things <laughs> yes it's at the it's at the planned parenthood clinic it's at the, it's the pamphlet that they give out uh but it reminded me uh we get a little sense here of a timeline in terms of like he says you're two months pregnant so it seems like two months have passed between when Zelina told robin revealed who she is and told robin that she was pregnant and now yeah and you know Zelina's like it's dark magic regina says who's i'm like um <laughs> the one the, person who has it <laughs> exactly that confused me um uh yeah i don't know it's like <laughs> what was she expecting her to say like my own i don't know yeah. did you do this to yourself why would i what, what is wrong with you uh so hook uh hook decides to go to desperate measures here to call upon emma he basically steps off the roof knowing that she will protect him that we'll find out later that she's protecting him for a different reason than he initially thinks and once they meet again he again demands Tell me what happened in Camelot. And we get a little bit of a, some, some ring stories here, Kurt, including, again, the mention of Chekhov's ring, though we really don't get it. We get a very uh, vague story about Chekhov's ring in particular. Yeah, like he's talking about how, like, the, the different kind of sins he's committed in his life and how, like, the different rings that, and, and other jewelry items, you know, represent those, those things from sins past. And then, you know, she holds up the ring that we know that he gave her in Camelot. And the whole memory thing, he thought he lost it. And she's about to give it back to him. He says, you know, keep it. It's a reminder of the sins that I've been given for, almost indicating that there's there's things that you'll be able to be forgiven for as well. Um, and you think that maybe she's going to come clear with him now, but nope, there's something I need to show you. So, you know, no. the, the reveal is not going to happen here. Well, we have 45 <laughs> minutes left of this episode, Kurt. If they revealed it right at the beginning, that would not be, that's not network storytelling. Yeah. Um, so we get another trick to the trip to the house. Yep, another trip to the refurbished Shea. the refurbished basement. Shay Swan. Shay Swan. Uh, I was a little confused by this scene, Kurt. So they go to the house, and Emma wanted him to look through a telescope. And again, maybe again, I, this is the umpteenth reminder that I need to turn closed captioning on because I couldn't really understand what they were talking about. He looked through the telescope and saw the sea, and she wanted him to do that because that usually calms him down. That's what I got to, and I had the closed captioning on. Um, uh, yeah, because because I thought there was something that like she wanted him to look at, but no, she just wanted him to she wanted him to basically be pacified by looking out at the ocean. Well, it's well, she wanted him calm down. I guess uh, she shows him the newspaper as well, uh, and you know, kind of explains that you know, this wasn't this isn't really my home; it's our home. You know, you were getting this for us. Uh, well, the, the thing that the, here's one of the things that confused me this episode. The whole home thing and him getting the home for her, that happened before they got teleported to Camelot. So I don't know why he wouldn't remember the fact that he and Henry had this project where they were getting a home for Emma. So that I do not remember. I don't quite understand that. Um, yeah there's there's a lot of like it's one of these things that now that we know that hook is the dark one there are a couple of like loose ends here that i feel like weren't tied or are just very confusing i'm also thinking about like why hook randomly collapses here in the house at the end of the scene like was did emma do something to him or like 
because theoretically if he has this dark magic inside of him even if it's dormant he should be able to counteract that right um yeah i'm not sure i thought that maybe it was like it was a you know poisonous lipstick or something or that, that uh, she, poison ivy are you are you making a batman and robin yes, reference <laughs> exactly um but no even even you know without him being the i, I had this question before it was even revealed that he was a dark one it's like why doesn't he remember buying the house for her because that happened yeah prior to the memory loss um but yeah it's but now that you yeah i'm not sure it seems like she got him back to the house just to detain him and we think that there's going to be a reveal here but once again no i can't tell you until it's all over you try to stop me and apparently there's some sort of whether it's magic or a, a poison or um you know we do what we don't really know at this point is how you know maybe it's very much that unless you if if you don't realize that you possess the powers of the dark one, then you can't really wield the powers of the dark one. And, and maybe that's what it is. And that's how he's able to be affected by her magic. I'm not, I'm not completely sure, but we're kind of, yeah, it's one of those things where you, you know, can we go back and look at all the things that hook does, or that happens to hook in the time that he's been back to Storybrooke since Camelot and say, Oh, now that makes sense because he's the dark one, or that makes sense because he's the dark one. I don't know if we've seen a lot like, you know, the, the interaction with the, um, uh, what was that that thing that came back that they that to to take Regina? Oh the oh god, what was it? It was the oh the the like you know what I'm talking about. The thing that looked the, like like a, the harpy, the thing the thing yeah. from the underworld to take Robin back. Yeah, like you know, was some was some interaction? Was there something there in the interaction it had with Hook that we should have been? Oh, you know what? It reacted in this way to Hook because he was the dark one. I I, I don't know if there's things that we sh- like little breadcrumbs that were laid for us throughout the entire time or not. Um, but long story short, he's knocked out and he's chained up. Yeah, uh, we got a nice little parody of Saw coming later on. That's uh, <laughs> not nearly as graphic. Unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but uh, we, meanwhile, we're we're going we're going to the birthing here. This is the first birth we've seen since season three, and. I usually, by the way, like a little bit of like inside baseball here. I usually try to find a picture for the podcast to go up on post show recaps by like typing in the name of the episode, but typing in once upon a time birth. All I found were snow whites, like with Prince Neil. Those are the only pictures I could find. Yeah. Um, but we and, and who comes in to deliver the baby? But uh, you know, if we consider Granny the first cameo of the uh, episode of the, of the episode or the night, we have Doctor yeah. Whale. Doctor Whale. Oh, by the way, I just looked it up. Uh, the creature that came to get Robin was the Fury, not the Harpy. That's right, the Fury. The Fury. Um, but yeah, this is this was interesting. Uh, this was odd, and it, you know, I feel like we should have had a little bit of a Wiggler wig watch here uh, because I feel like David. So David Anders dyed his hair i believe to play the, the, his character on i zombie they could have just as easily put him in like a you know a shoulder length blonde wig of what he usually had before the last time we saw him in season three instead they're just like they're just totally lampshading everything about it by having him there you know there's commentary it's like uh commentary on his dye job and and he he had a slightly different demeanor than i remember him having he was really kind of uh you know you know, last time I delivered a baby, you tried to steal it, Zelina. But why steal it when making one is so much more fun? Am I right? <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's, it's weird. He is so jovial because remember him, you know, remember his past. Is, he's he's this Frankenstein. Is Dr. Yeah, he's Dr. Frankenstein. And and I, I did say, I you know, this like almost made my evening. I love David Anders. I think he's like anything that I see him in, like loved him in Alias, loved him in Heroes. Uh, so it was it was great seeing him come back. And, I, and even though I have a feeling you know, we see him get thrown up against the wall again and we may not see him again for another couple seasons. 
Yeah, I don't even remember that. I'm, and I'm glad that they did describe like, oh, the last time you saw me, remember, I was we were giving birth to Snow White's child and then I got thrown up against the wall because I had completely forgotten the last time we've seen him. Yeah. Uh, but he is back, albeit for like five minutes and just there as a convenient plot device. Um, but everyone, Snow and Belle run in as everyone sort of gathers around waiting for the birth to reveal our red herring spell, which is basically, I don't know what spell this is or where they found it, but they think that Emma needs to to fully wield Excalibur. She needs the cries of a newborn child. And Kurt, I know that there are many non-physical things that go into spells, but I feel like this is like one of the most non-physical things you need in these spells. Yeah, there, there's a, a series of books I read that actually they they had kind of um, posited that to get a some sort of magical effect, you had to do something for each of the five senses. Uh, and so you would have had maybe the, the, the cries, of, if it was something about birth, you might have to have the cries of a newborn child and the taste of Gerber's baby food and the, you know, the smell of a poopy diaper. But the, uh, I, I just making it up top of my head. But yeah, this, it was kind of an interesting coincidence here where there's one spell that's extremely relevant to the situation that requires the uh, cries of a newborn child. And there's another ingredient that requires uh, at least from Emma's perspective, somebody who's not pregnant. So there was a yeah. very, the, the, there's a nice tie in between the, the, the two uh, ingredients. Um, although I do have to say at certain points in this scene, I was wondering if Dr. Whale was actually Emma in disguise. And if the color of the hair was actually kind of almost like a giveaway that this uh. was actually, it was a slightly different demeanor <laughs> and the color there. And I'm just waiting for Dr. Whale to turn into Emma. But then all of a sudden Emma appears in the doorway. I'm like, uh, Emma could transform herself completely except her except hair for some reason. Exactly. Is that, is that something like, is that a weakness we hadn't really heard yet? And uh, so, but no, uh, yeah, the, the Emma ends up uh, not, uh, well, actually, at this point, at this point, Emma hasn't actually showed up yet, but yeah. you know, we, we do think that she's coming and, you know, Zelina wants the magical cuffs off to protect her baby. But Regina's like, no, no, I'll do the protecting. We're not, you know, f- we're not going to you know, trust you on this one. Yeah. And it's weird. You bring up this whole Emma transformation thing. And again, I had to say eight episodes in, we have, we still have yet to see Emma impersonate somebody, which I feel like, again, is like a dark one staple. And I'm not sure whether it is a Rumpelstiltskin staple instead of a dark one staple, but it's weird that she hasn't used that power yet, considering that. A lot of our characters this season are a, l- a little naive. And so I think Emma could have very easily turned everyone against each other by just like impersonating a couple people and dropping a couple lines in. Yeah. But again, she it's we kind of said this from the start is that we don't really know what Emma's agenda is. Like, I mean, she like I think she's obviously got a very focused thing that she needs to do. But you know, just wreaking random havoc around town doesn't seem to be it. She's got a very specific goal. She's trying to do the things to achieve that goal. We suspect that it's going to be from the things that, that, uh, that, you know, dark clippy or Nimue have said is, you know, we suspect she may be trying to destroy light magic, uh, but she's got a very specific goal and, you know, perhaps believes that doing any of these little side quests, like, you know, irritate the charmings uh, by pretending that they're, in a loveless marriage by impersonating each other. Um, that that's just, you know, why do that when I've got a very specific goal that I need to accomplish as the dark one? Yeah, but I would, I would say that if your main goal here is to, I don't want anybody chasing after me while I try to accomplish this morally ambiguous goal. I feel like turning them against each other would be a perfect way to do that. Instead of they've been chasing after her for eight episodes. Now she could very easily turn them against each other, give them something else to focus on while she focuses on that. And they don't need to, she doesn't need to worry about them pursuing her and possibly getting hurt. So like it would, uh, it would buy them time. 
Yeah, it would be like the example yeah. of like okay. from your fa- from your favorite arc in Neverland, the the you know the storm that made everyone <laughs> Wait, argue with each other. There's so many of my favorite arcs in Neverland. Can you be more specific, please? <laughs> the the one the when they're on the ship and they're all arguing with each other, and that's like a spell from the mermaids to basically make them crash the ship almost. True. Yeah. Uh, so we flash back here. We we see uh, opposite sides of Zelina here. Instead of being in pain, she is her taunting self. Uh, and Emma decides to hand over the spark, but she got pastured. And these weird—I guess the dark magic were that these weird dark vines sort of wrapped the way around uh, Zelina. And Zelina's a tree hugger too now, whether she wants it or not. Yeah, uh, but still, you know, art. I keep in my notes. I refer to him as Art under short for shorthand Arthur. <laughs> um, That's so trendy. Yeah, so trendy. Right, so I've got Art tells Z to check if it's real, <laughs> um, and like by opening the box. And like, I told, actually, you know, so often, and I still think Arthur is very, very, very clever. Um, but again, it's, again, it's a Tony Vlacos thing where it's you know, you know, fifty percent extremely clever, fifty percent what the hell are you doing? <laughs> uh, but like you know, so often in these scenarios, like they hand over the the thing, the suitcase, the box, and so often it's not checked, and then they open it up after the people have left, and it's just full of paper. But he acts, you know, tells Zelina to make sure that you know it really is the the flame, and you know that ends up binding her to a tree, and. But at that point, Arthur, you know, commands Merlin to attack Emma, and then we get all Harry and Voldemort. On, on, yep, on the- <laughs> that's what it was. Match game, match game. Yep, absolutely. Ding, 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 it was. Ding, ding. I, I forget the, the term, uh, the term of it, but yet the the spoiler alert: the climax of both Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix, but these two bolts facing off against each other but but uh we do not see uh the ghosts of dead people in these uh in, in this face off instead merlin very easily just says like all right i guess if i have to do this and then quickly overpowers emma yeah uh though it's um the, he basically then command arthur then commands merlin to kill mary margaret <laughs> Yep, uh, which is random, yeah. <laughs> very random. But I guess like he figures, I want to hit Emma where it hurts, uh, and maybe he doesn't know the extent of Emma's Emma Hook's relationship. So he figures like, oh yeah, mother would be would work, even though Mary Margaret has yet to do anything in the past like ten episodes. Oh, sh- she babysat Zelina while they stormed the castle. <laughs> oh yes, I forgot about that. Snow hasn't been able to do anything efficient in the past ten episodes. I should revise that statement. Okay, I'll go. Uh, though I, I feel like there was a little bit to throw back to again, Kurt. One of your favorite Neverland moments. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot about the, that. The, the tree where, like, I think it's like their insecurities or their doubts, like tie, like the vines wrap them around the tree. I was, I, I feel like it has nothing to do with that, but I was getting those those flashbacks when that was going on. Right. Yeah, that's. I almost forgot about that. Thanks, Mike Bloom. Uh, but so we had a little bit of interesting, again, some some a little bending of the magical rules here where Emma basically says, no, Merlin, you can do it. You're the best person I know. You can break Arthur's control. And Merlin is somehow able to overpower the tethering spell that ties him to one of like the darkest, the biggest objects of dark magic in the universe and is able to basically say, like, you're not my dad, Arthur. I'm moving out on my own. Yeah. And uh, it's if and it's the first time we've actually seen somebody resist a tethering spell. Yeah, which is, um, I mean, I think we've seen people, I'm trying to remember if we've seen people really resist spells before, but I feel like a tethering spell might be like, on the on the grade of magic, might be somewhere in the middle, but the fact that you're tethering it to this object of large magical power, I feel like that has to make up for it, right? Yeah, although it's it's interesting. I mean, the, the tethering spell and the ha-ha, I got your heart spell uh, are very similar in terms of controlling other people. <laughs> Yes, very, very true. Uh, so 
Yeah, Merlin's able to do it, and Hook actually pulls up a nice maneuver here, where it's ter- which I don't know why, why he didn't do this earlier, but I guess he was looking for an opportune moment where he simply evades the the shackles by taking off his hook, <laughs> which I thought was really funny, actually. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things where it's like, why didn't we think of that a while ago? Like that's a, that's convenient to get out of all sorts of things, or at least to get one hand free. And I would say uh, Arthur uh, uh, Hook punching Arthur in the face is second to uh, Tyrion slapping Joffrey as like the probably <laughs> one of the most jiffable moments on either one of those shows. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, though, we do see Arthur escape with Zelina and we're not going to see them again until uh, Act Two. <laughs> yes. Are you are you shipping what do we call it, like Arth- Arthena? No. Uh, Zarthur? No. I think I, I think they're, Arthur's, they're, Arthur's too focused on Guinevere, and I and they they're just I, I do not see Arthur and Zelina being anything other than uneasy uh, allies. I think it's just like it's almost almost reminds me of like a Legion of Doom slash like a throwback to the Queens of Darkness type of thing of like here are these two random people working together, and they definitely as we'll see in the next episode they definitely don't make the best pair but it's such like an odd and again we have no perspective as to how this came to be we have yeah. no idea when this friendship sprung up we don't know when they decided to make the plan to to dupe everybody but it seems like they're like on the same page for some reason yeah it's ever since she disappeared in the round table room like whoa when did you plan this out but okay i'll go with yeah. it and we have the appearance here as as the the villains disappear and the heroes are all rescued. We have the appearance here of Chekhov's flesh wound, which will definitely come to fester later on in this episode. Yeah, and I did. And it was one of those things where I remember it happening, but I didn't even. It was to me. It was such a uh, a a th- kind of throwaway moment uh, that I didn't even think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I saw it like. I had a feeling. You know, I definitely had a similar feeling than you. I, I again did not think that the big twist was that hook was also a dark one, but I definitely had a feeling that like if it was something about hook that something might've been going on with the magic. And when she saw him do that, I'm like, Oh, that's significant. Uh, but I did not expect his neck to start spouting blood when, when she was forging Excalibur. Yeah. I mean, I did think I was like, uh, healing it. That is that such a good idea. But it's like, maybe she's just a, maybe she'll do little things like control that. Like I was more afraid of her healing it and her, it being like, the, you know that the the first domino in, in a long series of things or the you know the straw that breaks the camel's back and and oh it's that little healing thing that turns her into the dark one uh but uh no it's a little bit different to be fair it was the medieval ages the only alternative would be to put a bunch of leeches on him so I, i'm i'm not surprised that they went with magic yeah this other that or like amputate his head which really <laughs> just doesn't work well well gotta cut off his neck now yep <laughs> necklace or put a hook instead of his neck <laughs> <laughs> just a collar of hooks around his neck that would look pretty badass uh after the commercial break everyone is recounting the story in grannies and we see a rather interesting scene between emma and regina now we can kind of compare this to the uh scene in ep- that ends episode two i believe where they're sort of comparing their experiences about dealing with dark magic and uh or not episode two a couple episodes ago i should say but where regina finds out that you know emma broke henry's heart uh and she basically says like that's that you are too dark at this point uh but we see flashing back here that there's a little bit of a different temperament going on and regina is actually resorting to kind of uncouth measures in order to get the truth out of emma it's kind of a tough love moment (laughs) i very much so now what what did you think of this kurt did you think regina was taking it a step too far or do you think that the charmings were out of line by kind of walking in like chickens with their heads cut off and grabbing the dagger um I have in my notes, I'm not sure that I agree with this form of therapy. Um, uh, I, I agree with the 
uh, I agree with the idea, but not necessarily the tone with which it happened. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's a very good point. I think you need a certain amount of tact to handle. I mean, Emma is on the precipice here of doing, uh, being becoming a very dangerous individual. And I feel like Regina trying to take the tough love approach by basically saying like, snap out of it, bring down your walls. I mean, like when Regina had lost Daniel and she put up her own walls, do you think she, her mother basically gave her that tough love and she became more sheltered as a result. So I don't know why Regina thinks that this is the method she should use in order to get Emma to tell her the truth. Right. And it's, and it's kind of a like weird thing to put words into, like she's trying to get Emma to give voice to why she isn't giving up the darkness. And uh, it's it's it, to me, I guess it just seemed like a little bit strange to be like the one thing you're like kind of plumbing for. Like, wh- why are you doing it versus can you command her to just give up the darkness? Like, yeah, that, that was that's kind that of was, that's kind of meta, actually. It's like, just, and, I mean, the also thing is that uh, Emma saw Merlin fight the power of being commanded. I mean, and now that she saw that, I think and she didn't necessarily, you know, she didn't she didn't uh, reveal the truth when Regina commanded her. So I think Emma is even showing like, Oh wait, I saw that someone could break the power of the dagger. I can do the exact same thing. You can't command me to tell the truth. Yeah. I, I it's, it was, it was a strange and like slightly like awkward moment. <laughs> yeah. Though. I mean, I, I love Regina. She might be again, my favorite, my second favorite character uh, next to Rumpelstiltskin here. And I, I do love her last line about like Regina thinks I, you know, I, I, I'm getting to the truth no matter how painful it may be. If only because that's a fantastic segue into shots of Zelina giving birth. Yeah. Um, happens, you know, that is kind of a fast labor. Uh, very fast. I mean, I'm assuming it was because it was accelerated via magic, yeah. but it took probably took what, like 15 minutes maybe? Yeah. I was just hoping the baby was going to be green. That, that <laughs> thought would have been just a nice little I think touch. that's I think that's what everyone was waiting for. Just like that, that shot of the green, of the like, you know, rubber green baby, but it did not happen. Um, and I think, you know, I was also afraid that with Zelina going into the birth, we would have like a friends-esque moment where like Zelina was giving birth for an entire episode. So I'm kind of happy that this was basically our like C plot of the episode and it was reserved for like a grand total of 10 minutes in the hospital. Yeah. Between the two scenes. <laughs> yeah. Between the two scenes. Uh, so yeah, Zelina very quickly gives birth. Uh, Regina is very hesitant to, you know, encounter this child that is made with her lover's DNA, but is not hers. But Snow tells her to get a stiff upper lip and uh, again, tying back to, you know, account, trying to uh, face up to the truth, no matter how painful it may be. She is, she very cautiously walks in there uh, and enough for Zelina to, you know, gloat about the fact that she's green with envy now, but uh, no time for celebrating because Emma has finally arrived. And correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Regina is Mary Margaret's stepmom, right? Yes, she not, is. Not her actual mother. It's the it's no. her actual mother who like you know passed away earlier. Um, yeah. So here's another situation where the person that she's in love with has a you know kid that's not hers. That's probably going to be part of the family. Yeah, and it's Flash, and flashbacks. <laughs> it's really yeah because I can imagine like you have to. I would say looking at you know Regina's story on paper, I feel like she is by far the most tragic character here. Yes, just because of everything that's happened to her. And yeah, you have to think back to like. She she has not had a flesh and bones child. And I wonder, you know, had a not had everything else not been going on in this episode and they focused on the birth, I wonder if they could have taken the time to accentuate on Regina's feelings about like never having a child of her own. Uh, which I think is like something they really haven't dealt with since like season two or three, where she finally decided to like, okay, Henry, you you're old enough, you can go off and be with Emma if you want. 
And, and part of me was wondering, even like when we first found out Zelina was pregnant, is like, is this baby going to grow up to be? Well, you know, you know Prince Neil isn't really, you know, at least now has a, has a playmate. But um, like, I wonder, like, is this going to be a, a future character? But you know, I'm wondering, is the acceleration still going to be working on the baby? Like, are we going to find out that by like you know the the back half of season five that now Zelina's baby is like a teenager, and- just like the movie Jack starring Robin Williams. <laughs> Oh. And then he's going to climb the beanstalk, and that's going to be season five B. Again, we'll meet Tiny. Yes, there's a reference to Tiny. Uh, I know that's, but that's so, that's, that's, so that's strange. Part two. That's part two. That's part two. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Doctor Whale, his his short lived cameo has reached its end. He gets thrown against the wall again, and as you said, I don't know if he's waking up this time. But Emma reveals that it's not the child she's after, though. We see after the commercial break that it is indeed Zelina. We don't see the action behind it, but I, I'm assuming she froze everyone else and just apparated Zelina on her own. Yeah, pretty much. So we go, we, we get our, our Saw parody here yeah. as Hook and Zelina wake up. They are chained together uh, in the cave and Emma appears and sort of reveals the first big twist of the episode, which is like, oh no, I'm actually not pursuing this spell to make you know to really wield Excalibur instead what I'm going to try to do is give all the dark all my dark magic to Zelina and then kill her so that way everything's done and we can be good again yeah um and I'm like hmm um that doesn't sound good (laughs) yeah Kurt Kurt does the end justify the means in this case or is it too grave of an action in order for uh things to work out well I mean keep in mind at this point at this point, we don't know uh, that that Hook is evil, or at least the Dark One, whatever, a, a Dark One. Um, like, and I'm like, so there's a plan to banish both bits of darkness. Is is some is a single individual with double darkness, uh, you know, twice as bad? Or what about, or, what about triple triple dog darkness? <laughs> yeah, triple dog darkness. It, it's like, or or is, is the idea that, um, but then you know they're the plans to kill Zelina. So it was like, is this like an ultimate way? Like, you know, you said people were conjecturing, like, is there no longer going to be a dark one? Because, you know, if you were to banish the, the, the darkness into Zelina, but then kill her, does that basically then, you know, negate the darkness? And, um, so I'm not really, sh- I, 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 I just don't know. Um, and like if they weren't to kill Zelina, but to still do this, uh, would, uh, a, a, would it be possible? B, can one person contain all of that darkness? Uh, I, I just don't know. But yeah, but long story yeah. short is I'm not buying at the very least that our that the heroes of, of Storybrooke should be going along with this. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, as much as we talked about the moral gray areas and the heroes and villains arcs, I, feel, I still feel like killing someone is that like, no, no on everybody's list. And even though Emma has murdered someone in accidentally killing Corella DeVille, I feel like this is a much bigger thing because again they know Zelina and so that's it to have her like actually you know it's it's manslaughter versus murder in a way that like she might have killed Corella by accident unintentionally but with Zelina she is fully intending to take her life yeah Zelina's not too jazzed about this <laughs> no very she's like oh she was all you know giggles and and you know witty one-liners until she realizes that she, it's gonna end with her death <laughs> yeah and again yeah, you know, she hasn't told anybody this truth, uh, and she's erased. We find out the reason why, at least the memories were erased, is because uh, she doesn't want anybody. She knows that nobody would let her do this, and yeah, you know, prob- she's probably right. 
Yep, I would I would say so. Uh, they probably would chain her down in her own right, put her in like a prisoner sorts, like she was in the alternate history at the end of season four uh, to get away to have her not try to murder anybody. Uh, but we flash back here when in a simpler time, but not so simple in Emma's head as she is still, you know, she kind of stormed away after Regina tried to go the information out of her and Hook decides to pursue. So we have this really interesting scene where Emma tells him that the reason why she's still holding on to this dark magic in her is apparently that she's afraid of the future. Did I get that right? Yeah, she's scared because of their future together. Um, and the moment, and we can't be together if I'm the dark one. So the moment you take the darkness away, that future begins. And it's, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like this is a little rash, right? I mean, if you're moving too fast in a relationship, I feel like she could very easily rescind the dark magic and say, let's go back to Storybrooke and then tell Hook, like, listen, we're moving a little too fast. Can we live apart for a little while longer until I feel more comfortable? I, I don't know. I think of all this sort of, like, talk about morality and giving into darkness that if we're making the fact that she's holding onto this dark magic because she's scared of moving in with a guy, it seems a little superficial to me. <laughs> yeah I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there's um i'm sure the writers would frame it differently but i think you boiled it down to the the essence of it is that she she's she's scared of the a, a future with with hook that and all that that brings and until she's able to you know let go and embrace that it it's it's a little odd but he can he tells her that he she just needs to trust him yeah it just seems it's it's uh, i don't want to hold on to this too much but it just seems like it seems a little out of left field it's more reminiscent of like a teenage melodrama than it is once upon a time which was again for these past few episodes has been so based in this idea of like emma trying to figure out the right and the wrong things to do not like her feelings of like well you know i only tell men how i feel before they die yeah although you know this is kind of then all Emma's fault, right? Like if she had given up the darkness sooner and like welded the sword sooner, then yeah. Arthur wouldn't have had a chance to cut uh hook and everything could have been fine. And yeah, it's all yeah. Emma's fault. It, it, it pretty much, yeah. Again, <laughs> like finding out that that's the reason again, that's the, I feel like the rest of the episode makes up for it, but finding yeah, yeah, yeah. that out kind of disappointed me yeah. a little bit, but we're flashing flashing forward here. Uh, the heroes decide to, go storm the house uh and you know regina is ready to show emma what dark magic really looks like in the basement uh zelina finally gets someone to cut the damn gauntlet off after talking about it for like an umpteenth amount of episodes and we get a reminder here that i had forgotten that hook uh regina had imbued his hook with uh, the power to remove her zelina's heart in the premiere and i guess it still has some juice left in it multiple it has multiple uses it slices it dices it rips out hearts it rips off cuffs yes it's the the chop slap of uh of death <laughs> chop slap yeah so uh so he's i mean he's hesitant to, hesitant to trust her understandably yep. but he really doesn't have a choice and i mean when he does it and she transforms and she disappears i mean i was totally expecting her to totally you know to time him but uh she subverted our expectations she comes back and decides to free him yeah i thought that she was vanishing but she was just kind of changing clothes uh, and, yeah and she, yeah she she kept her word and they they uh they go out while they, they kind of come up from the basement as we see you know team charming is still outside arguing how they're going to stop emma yeah just in time for emma to walk off i would say like no one's stopping me <laughs> yeah although it's um 
so she, you know, Emma comes out of the house. She's like, I don't need saving. And by the time I'm done with Selena, you'll be thanking me. Uh, and kind of figures out you know, the people, they kind of figure out that, you know, Selena is, you know, his life may be in danger from dark Swan. And, uh, you know, Regina says, this is not the way miss Swan. Oh, we're back to miss Swan. Now I'm, I'm Emma. And, she she strikes Excalibur. What exactly happened there? She struck yeah, Excalibur. I'm confused as well. <laughs> like I didn't know. Yeah. If, like did she like like she struck Excalibur into the ground or on the ground and like this this golden like halo. It was it almost looked like light magic, but because it, it was kind of this golden hue. But I wasn't sure like what impact that was supposed to have. Like did it freeze Team Charming outside or exactly what exactly went on? Then, yeah, we don't know. It, lo- it almost looked like the beginning of the uh, the Universal logo at the beginning of a movie with well, like that, that like golden halo around it. Yeah, I I was gonna ask you the same question. I had no idea what happened there because we don't go back outside again. I mean, I was assuming it was like a repelling spell and that they got blasted back and now they can't go onto the premises. But it is strange. Um, and I do also I don't understand. You know, Emma hasn't yet to kill Zelina. Why is she telling Team Charming now? that she's going to kill her. Why is she already <laughs> admitting her plan before it actually gets carried out? Yeah. Ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Step like, one. <laughs> I mean, she's been vague for the past eight episodes. She could be vague like for five minutes longer before <laughs> yeah. she kills Alina. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, well, you know what? She's a, at this, you know, she's a villain and she can't resist telling her plan. She resisted as long as she could, but she, she monologues. Had, yeah. She monologued. Yeah. Uh, and that was her, that was part of her undoing as while she's doing that, I guess, uh, Hook was able to find the time to he searches and finds the squid ink that neither one of us really uh, cared about. But she find he finds it behind a painting of a forest. And it's the cold, she, it's the cold opening of the show. The uh, that that silhouette of the oh, trees. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Is yeah. that was he was was he did he recently binge the seasons and that and that's why he suspected the painting. Yeah, he's like, wait a minute. That looks out of place. That looks awfully meta. There must be something associated with that. Wait, what does it say in the bottom? Created by Edward Kittis and Adam Horowitz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, right when Emma walks in, he's able to remove the squid ink, throw it on her, freezing her. And now, Kurt, we are getting down to brass tacks. He is He once again demands to know what happened. And Zelina finally has all the answers. She says, here's a dream catcher. Look into it. And we finally see... What has happened that has led Emma and Hook to become the Dark Ones? And and, and before we go into the flashback, uh, should like if Hook had said, you "Know what? No, Zelina, I'm not going to look into it. Emma, you explain to me what I would see, or, or like prepare me for what I'm going to see." Uh, like if Emma had just explained things to Hook, would the would would things be okay? Like we don't really know what the fallout is. We we're pretty sure it's not it's not uh, you know positive. But um, like I I don't know if you know could Emma have you know spun it a little bit better than she than than Hook saw in the Dreamcatcher. I would say that I I mean I think for him and the reason why he decides to finally look at the Dreamcatcher is I think you know getting knocked out and end up shackled in. Uh, your yeah. girlfriend's basement is probably the last straw. And he feels like he has been asking her for so long to tell him the truth. And she has yet to do it that he's like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to find out the truth on my own. And you know, there also might be some dark magic in there. That's acting up. Where he's like, I'm going to break your heart a little bit by not trusting you, Emma and deciding to find out the truth on my own. Yeah. Um, that's true. She, she, uh, she, she did kind of violate some trust there. 
I guess, yeah. <laughs> kind of, by knocking him out and chaining up in her basement. That's a, I guess you could consider that a violation of yeah, trust. I, mean, I would say it might be like a minor warning sign, even in the real world. Yeah. Uh, so maybe Hook's being a little sensitive to it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's really dive into the flashback here, Kurt. Uh, to start, Emma is, you know, everyone's gathered. The blades are finally going to be reunited. But when she starts creating this big supernova and starts bringing the blades together, uh, Hook starts bleeding out of his neck and Merlin decides to drop the fact here that a cut from Excalibur cannot be healed. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it yeah, it, it's, it was unexpected. Um, and, and we that and basically the, yeah, I, I, I didn't have words for this. I was just kind of sitting there going, what's going on? And okay. So look like if Excalibur was reforged, it was like if more of if Excalibur, if Excalibur hadn't been reforged, would Hook's injuries have reappeared because it was Excalibur that cut him? I'm wondering if that's also part of the issue or if it was just kind of perfect timing that it was going to happen regardless of, you know, if they had waited another 10 minutes to grab some lasagna from the back, you know, would the cut still have appeared at that point? Or was it the reforging of Excalibur that caused the uh, the the wound to reappear? I'm not yeah, quite that's, sure. I think I think it, I think it might have been the latter in that, like, I think unifying the two swords kind of like re like uh sort of like magnified the power of it and maybe that's why the wound opened up again i mean i agree with you that like i i it was hard for me to take notes on this part not only because a lot happened but because a lot happened in a short amount of time i mean all this action happens over the course of like maybe five minutes total and there is a lot going on right because and emma comes to a conclusion really really damn quick that okay so instead i'm going to use the flame to release Merlin from Excalibur, then to tether Hook to Excalibur, but that's going to create another dark one. Yeah, and everyone's like, no. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> although the, 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 the issue slash question I had here was that, um, was that, well, Merlin was tethered to Excalibur, uh, but it was never, he was never the dark one. So mm-hmm. do, how do we know that automatically tethering like since when did tethering somebody to the weapon be what turns them into the dark one? Uh, yeah. especially if it was the, the, uh, cause it's, especially if it was the, the, the bottom part of the sword and not the dagger part of the sword. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point because I mean, we've seen Emma sort of play with becoming the dark one. And even, even in Camelot, they refused to really say she was the dark one, but you're right. Even though Merlin was tethered to the sword for all of two seconds, Nobody called him the dark one and he, and he didn't really wield too much dark magic aside from like wrapping a vine around somebody's neck and, you know, tying people to trees. You know, he wasn't he wasn't killing anybody. Right. He And, and that was like because he was commanded to by somebody else. It wasn't something that he was you know doing on, on his own free will. Um, but we learned that, you know, if this is done, then he, he said it will multiply the darkness so it can't be destroyed without paying the steepest of prices. You're like, mm-hmm. everyone's like, don't do this. But. uh Emma doesn't listen to them. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, I think I actually, I really like this, this chain of events because I think, you know, we keep going back in this season to like becoming the dark one. They keep warning Emma that when you become the dark one, you think you're doing it for the best intentions, but you're doing, you know, you're, you're creating more of a mess than what you intended to. And I think Emma's doing exactly that. She's acting admittedly. And she even admits to it pretty selfishly here to the point of where when they go into the middle mist meadow where they you know where she first got rid of dark clippy hook is saying you know like go to like 
it's fine. Let me die. You, you know, you use it to get rid of dark magic and you, you know, our future is now I'm, I'm fine with leaving. And Emma literally says out loud, uh, I think, I think she says like, I'm, you know, I, I can't deal with that. And so she says, all right, out of a purely selfish move that she thinks is charitable, she's going to create another dark one, multiply the darkness and still keep dark magic festering in this community. Yeah. That, now that's like getting a second mortgage on your house. It's like, now you've got two things to pay off. Yeah. Or like getting like a second kid. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Although, so yeah, she transports them away, like you said. And, uh, and as part of the, as he's, as she's casting this, we do see what looks like the evil dark tendrils kind of rise off of Merlin. So, mm-hmm. I mean, so maybe he was just powerful enough beforehand to resist it um I mean, maybe there's something to that uh, and he he i'm not entirely sure but um but yeah we see you know hook kind of disappears and emma goes full dark swan at that point and yep. and we kind of cut over to the dark one portal yep we get and we get some more black goo here as hook comes about and you know hopefully we'll see more of what dark hook was in a couple of episodes, but he has a nice little cloak on, but again, gotta, gotta, you know, nitpick here about the, the cosmetic stuff, Kurt. We still, I mean, we, we, you know, we talked about how Emma did not become scaly at all. What hook did nothing changed hook. Hook did it. Nothing happened to hook when he became the dark one. He got a new, he got a new cloak. He got a hood. Yeah. He got a hood. He became black riding hood. Yeah. It was, it was very, uh, for, for people who, our gamers out there. It was a bit of an Assassin's Creed look, actually, for uh, for uh, for, for yes. Um, but you know, Emma's kind of got the pulled back hair now. She hasn't gone scaly or anything. Maybe that's a gradual change. Maybe, maybe it's something that. Um, although I think I think that uh, Rumpelstiltskin pretty much instantly became scaly skin. Uh, yeah, and so did Nimue. So did Nimue. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, so yeah. Um, but you know, they're just two beautiful people. So that's true. Let's not, let's not ruin it. Yeah. No offense to Robert Carlyle, but I mean, those Jennifer Morrison and Colin O'Donoghue are just two beautiful people to put under scaly makeup. Yeah. Uh, so we get our ending here as, you know, after Hook sees all of this. And by the way, I also forgot to mention before that the reason why Hook realizes something is up is because Delina decides to prove a point by stabbing him in the heart uh, <laughs> only for him to realize. And I thought when that happened, I thought that that it meant that Emma had had his heart without him realizing it or that he was like, dead uh yeah. already <laughs> I, and i was going the dead route <laughs> in terms of my theory i mean technically he was i guess he's reanimated as the dark one yeah so or are they or maybe it's just more that the dark one can't die i think he was like uh, yeah it, it's now we start now that starts to get metaphysical and philosophical uh but uh long story short yeah it kind of was the clue that all is not right in hookville <laughs> yes absolutely not uh and this is the emma that stole light christmas uh, as uh she uh, you know, hook sees now that excalibur the whole entire time had his name on it it was just under a cloaking spell um and basically hook is extremely angry about this and he says you know our future together is over and i'm ready to find out what happened in camelot but first we have to take care of her yeah and yeah and how and i don't know how much of this is like you almost have to parse things out in terms of, well, how would kind of unsullied hook 
have reacted and like oh unsullied hulk did he lose something else when he became the dark one (laughs) versus like you know dark killian uh which sounds like a star wars character it really Uh, (laughs) it it really does i imagine his lightsaber he's like has like a lightsaber cutlass (laughs) yeah that nice little little kind of little curve to it um (laughs) and a robot parrot on the shoulder um uh yeah it's 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 I, I liked I, I wanted to believe that Dark Killian would uh, not necessarily be immediately upset with her that they, you know, but it look it, at least the way they're painting it is it's going to be kind of a feud between the two of them versus the two of them working together. Um, so not really sure where what goes on from here. Yeah, so let's let's speculate a little bit here because obviously this is a giant bomb to drop and we had a momentary respite from it with an hour of uh frolicking in dunbrock that will we will ta- be talking about next week but i mean this is giant and i i have this i have a similar question do we think that it's going to now be the two dark ones facing off against each other and everyone is sort of in its aftermath do we think that hook is going to try to join up with the heroes i'm really intrigued as to find out where this all goes to next especially because out of the dark ones that we're most familiar with and i'm including nimue in that nimue uh emma rumpelstiltskin Hook was the only person who's actually was a villain in his former life. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he was kind of reformed, uh, but he's got, you know, he's talked about how he's had a villainous history. And so I don't, I, I'm almost more scared of a dark one Killian than a dark one Swan. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, it's, uh, yeah, the dark one Killian is going to be really interesting because, um, I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's almost like, again, using this addiction example, he's on the wagon or off the wagon. I, yeah. I don't know which one's the bad one, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's sort of like doubly dark. He's triple dog darkness right now yeah. because he's, because he's shown that dark side beforehand. Unlike other people who may have shown tendencies towards not being a good person, he has flat out murdered people beforehand and has the rings to show it. So maybe this is the big bad that we've been alluding to the entire time is now everyone, including Emma is going to have to take down captain hook. Yeah. Cause it seems like it, it, it seems like, if you were to look at Emma, how Emma's been acting this entire season, the entire thing that she's been trying to do is to save Hook. And so I'd, I'd almost more see Emma teaming up with Team Charming to stop Hook. But then again, the fact that Emma did this and everyone told her not to, I don't, maybe they won't want to, but it depends on how much of a threat uh, Hook actually poses. It's a, it's a little bit like, you know, you know, Mothra is you know, ransacking the city. And so you're hoping Godzilla goes in there to stop them. But at the end, you're still going to have like a completely destroyed city. Um, and then, and you know, at least Godzilla will wander off back to the sea again when he's done taking care of Mothra. But you don't see, you know, Hook, Hook or Emma aren't just going to wander off into the woods. No, definitely not. Especially again, since <laughs> I'm pretty sure at this point, there's a, everyone gets turned into trees if they decide to walk over the town line. Yeah, I think I turned that Japanese kaiju metaphor into something that was way more extended than it needed to be. Yeah, it needs to be related <laughs> to Americans, Kirk. Come on, talk about Pacific Rim. Sorry, sorry. Giant robots. Uh, any other speculation you have as to what this big reveal might be. I mean, I'm also intrigued as to where Zelina falls into all of this as well, because she was very tangential to everything. Now that she has her baby, she has what she wants. Is she going to recess back in the background or now that she has her power back and the magical gauntlet is finally gone. Do you think she's going to play a larger role here in the main story? Well, I think all that she wants is another baby. <laughs> she's gone tomorrow. Um, sorry. Ace of base. Um, the, they, they saw the sign. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, it, 
Yeah, she doesn't technically. Well, you say she doesn't technically have the baby. Regina and, and Hood have the baby, but I think that's going to be you know job one: get get baby girl. Job to recede into background potentially, uh, but it also seems it does seem like she's a little bit kind of partnered up with with Hook here. I mean, she's she's not a fan of Dark Emma. She's like been very antagonistic toward Dark Emma. And finally, there's somebody who is you know somebody who's potentially more villainous, but then again, who doesn't have the history of wielding magic that Emma mm-hmm. does. But if if Hook is against Emma, then I you potentially have a Zelina Hook pairing here. Uh, oh, Zook. I was thinking Helena. Um, uh, Helena? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter? Yeah, there we go. She played a witch. True. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know. And I, and I you know, th- this is going to be my bold pronouncement and prediction is at the beginning of the, the, the episode we said is, is Dark Hook now kind of our, like, I, I don't see Dark Hook getting, you know, reconciled by the end of part one, uh, the, the first half of season five. You know what? It's going to be. This is mm-hmm. the, the additional dark one storyline is going to be wrapped up within two to three episodes or by the time we get yeah. to the mid season finale, I believe. I, 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 yeah, I agree. Well, let's, let's look back on season three. Remember that the big Peter Pan thing got resolved two episodes before the mid season and the Zelina stuff got resolved two episodes before the mid season. I feel like this, the dark swan thing almost kind of got resolved here and now we're going to deal with the with the dark hook thing for the last two episodes. So I'm in complete agreement that yeah. I, de- especially with since the way this show works in half seasons makes them very clean. I doubt that we're going to get dark hook as a major thing in season five B. Yes, agreed. Uh, so if you out there have any theories as to what the significance of hooks becoming uh, the dark one might be, or if you have any thoughts as to whether Merlin actually was the dark one when his spirit got tethered to Excalibur, or if you think that uh, if you think that the house that hook wanted to buy for Emma looked nice and that it might have resembled the full house house, you have a bunch of ways to reach out to us. As always, you can leave a comment here on postshowrecaps.com. And while you're here, make sure you subscribe to our Once Upon a Time only feed at postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. Uh, we always love ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. And as always, you can reach out to us on social media. Kurt, how can people find you on the twitter i am at kurt clark on the twitter and i am at a mike bloom type on the twitter please stay tuned to all the other great post show recaps coverage going on right now i got to pinch it for uh our our fearless leader rob sesternino on the snl podcast recapping elizabeth banks that was a lot of fun we have fargo going on the leftovers is in full swing walking dead is great as well seinfeld snl it's it's we're at a we're really building to a, a rousing flame here, and it's not going to be doused anytime soon. So make sure you're subscribed to Post Show Recaps if you're not. In the meantime, Kurt, we're going to start wrapping things up here. Can you think of a hashtag for everyone who has made it this far into the podcast? I think it's got to be Triple Dog Darkness. I think so. In honor of it, Christmas is coming soon. Let's honor the timeless classic of Christmas story. Hashtag Triple Dog Darkness. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week to talk about the second half of the two-hour uh extravaganza the quite a different uh, detour here with our uh, our adventure in dunbrock with the bear king but we're gonna have fun talking about it nevertheless again thank you so much for listening triple dark darkness if you made it this far and remember if your five-year-old is shaving you may have had your pregnancy accelerated by dark magic take care everyone bye-bye